What's up, everyone? You are listening to Talk Back, the podcast. I'm your host, Nass, and today we are talking to an absolutely incredible writer and a true leader in the creative space with over 32,000 followers on his Advice for Artists Instagram page, making way for the modern day renaissance movement. It's Austin Kaiser. What's up, Austin? Thank you so much for joining me. What's up, Nas? Thank you for having me. That was the greatest intro I've ever heard, by the way. <laughs> that is too much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Of course. Man, I'm so excited. Like, you have two books that are currently published. I was telling you, I literally shed tears because the way you speak to the audience, like who you're talking to, is incredibly moving. And I'm like, why can't more people be like that in real life? So it, it hit home for me. Um, and I can't wait to dive into that content. But to start, I would love for you to explain events and turning points in life um, as a creative that led you to releasing independent thoughts and ideas of your own and just like your overall journey as a writer and where you are today. Well, um, I didn't grow up wanting to be a writer. There was something that I was lucky enough to find later in life. I ended up going into social media when I was, after I graduated college, I did social media at Complex Magazine, which is a hip hop magazine. And I would sit there every day and read all these great articles and turn them into tweets. And as I read the articles week after week, I'm thinking, yo, I want to write some of this. Like, you know, I, I like uh, I like the new Kanye album. Oh, can, can I share anything? <laughs> right about it, yeah. And, and my editor-in-chief was nice enough to let me do that. Her name's Erica. I still look at her as a, a mentor of mine. And I started to write and she encouraged me and she showed me the ropes of how to write. And then from there, as I got a little more confident, I, I got interested in what putting wings on ideas is all about, which is how do ideas spread? How do ideas travel? Why are things popular? And I thought it would be an excellent book idea. And the more I thought about it, as you saw in the book, it's something that ultimately it starts off with like a very specific concept, but it eventually becomes something that touches everything. Yes. Yeah. And as I did my research, I myself, just like you, were very moved by the examples and the discoveries. And I go, this needs to be written. It deserves to be written. There has to be a book. Really? It Honestly, it felt like it came full circle because it talked about like going viral. Like that was like right. how it really started out, especially. And I'm like, OK, so it's going to be like a step by step, really technical kind of mechanic. -y. And as I'm reading it, it's like this entire story that's unfolding. But the story is like finding myself and being so much more comfortable with who I am. And I could not wait. Like after I closed the last page, I'm like, what am I going to put out next? I can't wait to put it out because whatever it is, whether it's good quote unquote or bad like it's mine and the right people are going to hear it and that's that's what's the beauty of that book it was just the full circle moment and then also you kind of inside you talked about things that make us happy and there was like a long list of like the little things like riding shotgun or like the the wheels on the skateboard and it yeah. was like a, a book coming full circle that also goes on that list for me <laughs> oh that's so cool yes yes yeah that see, see that transformation you experienced I was lucky enough to experience myself as the writer. I wasn't, I, I didn't know that information before I started writing the book. But as, as I did the research and I thought it would be strategic and, oh, let's get the formula. Well, let's get the freaking the, the Whopper formula. The way that you wrote it with the formulas, genius. Like it's so easy to follow and it makes sense. Like it's like take the equations from math that I had no idea, but put words in it. Like, yes, I got this now. <laughs> I'm so happy that came up. Dude, I, I was so proud of those economics chapters. So I studied economics in school and I thought I'd never use it. 
And then I managed to find some connections to the art world. And I said, dude, I mean, yeah. not to pat myself on the back, but I'm like, has anyone ever said this stuff? Like this, this looks no, good. To me. That this does deserve good. a round of applause, pat on the back, like everything. That was, it's, that's exactly, and that's the art of it. And I just love the way that you use art. It is like anything. And at one point you, you said how even like observation, like when we just observe something like that's mm-hmm. good enough, that, that line hit me too, because even just we don't think our thoughts are enough rarely like papers or assignments that we complete like we never really think that it's it's everything like it's not to someone's expectation but it's like is it to our expectation mm-hmm. I'm, i feel lucky because i when i started right i thought it would be a strategic book and i was at first confronted with this question of what is art which is a very popular question in the history of scholars and very serious minded people and through my own research of of being inspired by different books and documentaries and examples that i found i kept getting hit in the face with this fact that everything is an expression of yourself okay like it's it's not about drawing lines anywhere and i know you used to be the top abstract expressionist guy and then these guys came in and kind of bothered you you had to like make some stuff up but for us in 2021 it had to it just felt really good to all discover this stuff and then to put it down in such a way that now other people get to feel that that that's the best thing. Yeah, no, like a hundred percent. And the perspective that you give, especially when you talk about there's going to be billions of people, there was billions of people before me and there's going to be billions after me. And then you really take inventory of your life and look at like this sliver moment that we have right now, that is my life that I'm lucky enough to live. I'm going to own it and enjoy it. And that's yeah. the thing, like society kind of makes us think like we can't like it. We can't this. We can't that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was the thing. I, I, there's so many people in my life who I'm inspired by their conversation, just who they are. And I go, well, that doesn't end up in a museum, but that's to me art yeah. without a question. And, and that same thing they're putting out there in that moment is what I put out when I write. So I wrote it. He didn't write it. But like we're both creatively minded and and it, we all deserve to feel confident about that fact. Yeah. and not question it or or think it, it doesn't meet a certain standard i think that's that's crazy and the community like you have to build a community of people that think this way because it's more like it stems right, from right. thinking you're alone so like advice for artists so tell me like how like when you started that journey like what was the first post that you put out do you remember the first post um what was the first post it's okay. It's not a quiz. If you get it wrong. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember. Cause so back in the day I used to just take, I used to just type up a one liner on my computer on a notepad and I'd take a little picture of it. Mm. So like I could see it. And then it was only like 20 posts that that ended up being. So I could picture it very well, but I don't remember the post, but it, it started, frankly, advice for artists came out of nowhere because in order to get a publishing contract, which was my goal for a long time, I thought I needed social media numbers. And so for a while, I was just posting kind of robotically, sending out clips from my book. Boom, boom, boom. And then sooner or later, I had more followers. And it's only just in 2020 that I started to take it seriously and go, this damn community is like proving my this is like this is like meta as hell. This this is (laughs) everything I, I had a hunch and a feeling, a strong feeling about in putting wings is true. I mean, don't tell anyone I didn't know it at the time, but now seeing with advice for artists and the variety of people, the different ages, the geography, I go, fucking hell, man. Like you said, there's just a renaissance that needs to get awakened. It's, it's right there. I see it. 
I love that you use the word renaissance because literally in 2020, when like, you know, the pandemic happened and everything, I was like, people are leaning into what they like. They're making like quirky, not weird, like just cute things that like, they just, I didn't even know this person even liked or enjoyed. And when I started the podcast, it was during the pandemic. So it is the Renaissance is starting. And then that whole reset, it made people really do some inner work and think like, what actually makes me happy? And I think the book just kind of gears that whole idea. Like it's expressing yourself in the way that makes you feel good. And especially in this time, like the cultural reset is, is real. I feel it. Yeah. You feel it. Absolutely. Dude, we have a, forget the roaring twenties. We're one year into our twenties. We already topped them. Exactly. Like, okay, I don't know. Easy money. We're the roaring twenties. Oh my gosh. I actually love that. It's true. It's, it's true. I think we'll look back on in five years or more and really start to unpack emotionally what we experienced. And like you said, it's going to come across as like, I changed a lot, you know, caterpillar to butterfly, whatever it may be like snake shed the skin, you name it. Like it happened to us. I think the reflection will happen in the five years, but it is happening. The art that is being created yeah, right now yeah. in this time. So people can express and cope. Like it's, you know, it's hard with everything happening, but it's kind of beautiful in how people are, are taking it and making it for their self. Like, it's amazing. Absolutely. And there's another part in the book. I remembered you talked about like our ideas as sandcastles. That like analogy. I love it. I can picture it so clearly. I'm like, tell the listeners like how like just the concept of the sandcastles. The idea was so. All right. There's a chapter on imagination and there's also a chapter on productivity. There's a chapter on empathy. And each one of these chapters is meant to be a way to help the reader imagine a very important creative skill. And when I'm doing the imagination chapter, which is my favorite, by the way, that's just my, that was my personal favorite chapter. And it's all about expressing yourself, finding new ways to flex and develop your imagination. So you can think more clearly and vividly and, and be more expressive to others. And I kept trying to imagine what the imagination looks like. Like, how can I describe this to the reader so they feel the vastness and the diversity that my research is leading me to feel? And I, I would Google it. There's almost no books on the imagination. This this thing that, like, every kindergartner gets taught about, it's like um, SpongeBob with the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves imagination. This, this is the greatest topic ever, but it's not very well defined. So anyway... So I'm trying to think of different, different analogies. And I had at one point, like a big butterfly net and like a, a butterfly net, like as big as a house and just like all these butterflies. I had all these different metaphors, but anyway, I came down to a metaphor of a beach and a beach that's infinitely long waters that go infinitely out, but it's covered in millions and millions of sandcastles. And each one of these sandcastles is, is a different castle. You get down to it, one's like, looks like the Empire State Building. Another one looks like pyramids. And each one of these castles represents an idea, something that you've thought, something that you've built. And the more time you spend thinking about a thing, the bigger its castle gets. More detailed, all of a sudden you got an annex, the real estate developer bought stuff around the Empire State Building. And, and with this metaphor, you start to, Think to yourself, well, where, what are my Empire State Buildings? What are my pyramids? Like, what have I spent a lot of time thinking about? And those are the things that are going to lead you to your best ideas. I think it's it's a really nice picture that's painted. And it's like, it's just, it, it gives so much value to our ideas. Instead of us thinking like, oh, it's not, it's a bad idea. It's a good, but like, it's a sandcastle. And that's, 
that's a beautiful thing. Like you can't think of an ugly sandcastle. Like at least yep. I can. So yeah. I just love the the value it gives to all the thoughts. And I think you said something about like wet sand is like the inspiration from others. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can we mm-hmm. take the inspiration from other people and pack it on. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like I'm copying. Like I don't even think you can actually copy things. You just no, are inspired, no. right? Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. You you add to it inherently. Yeah. And it, it's, it's your own because you do it. Exactly. So yeah. I don't think people should, you know, shy away from that. I, I think of it like it's your creative choice slash expression by virtue of you wanting to copy that thing. Like other people pass it by and don't think to copy it or don't find the value there, but you did. So that, that speaks volumes that you want to imitate it. Yeah. You pick up the spark and that's, again, you have to pay attention to yourself. Like think about what you like. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't, you can, mm-hmm. don't think about that enough. So that's actually, that's so incredible when, when you can take that and, and make it your own. Uh, when you talk about empathy and like the machine, tell us more about empathy and like why that is so important. And that took up like some good pieces in, in the chapters. Empathy was, I joke about in the book that I myself was not empathetic before writing the book or being a teenager in college. And em- empathy is about thinking about other people's feelings, right? We know that that's the basic definition of it, but as I research different moments in art history, great musicians, great movies, and I tried to ask myself, why did they work? Why were they successful? And why did they strike a nerve? The only way I could answer that is by trying to think about what it was like to be a teenager when Goodfellas came out or the Beatles released Sgt. Pepper. And by trying to empathize with those teenagers from the 70s or the 80s was how I derived interesting observations. And I said, like, dang, okay, like, that's empathy actively, like, in action. You know, to me, empathy was, like, it was just a vague thing. Be nice to people, compassion. And as a young person, like, sure, duh, you know, like, be nice, but it's not very well-developed thought. And anyway, it's through my research that I discovered empathy. I don't even know the tip of the iceberg, but I can sense this is an important skill. And for any artist out there who wants to understand their audience better, literally sit and think or try to think what they think, not just vaguely kind of, you know, I'm nice. Like I try to think, but like really sit down and do it. You will, you'll come up with crazy ideas. I promise you, you'll surprise yourself. How can you encourage people to think like, you don't have to be the big name rapper. You don't have to be the big name artist, the Van Gogh, like what give, what is that inspiration that you want people to feel? I mean, we're talking about a can of worms. That's, that's a big one. That's a big one. You know, from that question, I'm, I think we could probably talk about everything in existence. I think that could just reach out and touch everything. Um, so the, at core, you as an artist, one of the most important things, especially when you're a beginner or you've just started or you have a new endeavor, is your relationship with your own work. What does it feel like when you work? What sort of kick do you get out of it? How much fun do you have doing research and looking for new ideas? And that alone, if you can have fun there, if you can feel like you're expressing yourself and you're building new abilities and just like like when you're a kid playing a video game, like if you just feel good doing it, cash, just like like right there, you won. You're already farther ahead than 99% of everyone who's ever lived because of this question, right? Because of, oh, well, okay, now let's, you know, act two, let's bring in reality. Oh no, you have, your best friend is twice as good at guitar and he just started yesterday. And, and then there's um, your, your other best friend who's, who's even better than both of you. 
he just got put in development hell by his little label. That's not even a big label, but now like his project is shelved forever. So there's a whole lot of things that can discourage you and we can get into how to deal with each one of those individually if we want, but at base, you got to have that strong relationship with the work and the experience of making it yourself. And with that, you can, as corny as it sounds, you can get through anything with that. No, that's so true. You know what's also annoying? I think when people like positive affirmations, people think that's corny and cliche, but I was like, that's exactly what gets you through things. Why is the positive things that we try telling people, it's just downplayed. And that's why we can't have a relationship with ourselves and our work because the the thoughts and ideas of everyone else, we just internalize it way too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, as I get older, I'm becoming like an old man. And <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Instagram and the algorithms anymore. I rocked with them for like good three, four years. But now like, you're totally right. I think we are surrounded by too much information and yeah. makes it too easy to compare ourselves. Exactly. It's funny when, when we think about childhood, uh, I think in the book you mentioned like you were drawing Pokemon. And like, I... I would draw Pikachu just because. So like you said that it was just so funny. And the Powerpuff Girls on like the paint program. Do you know do you oh, remember paint? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. and it's it's funny because when you really you make the reader like think back to the things that they did as a kid and what really brought them joy. And it's like, I didn't really care if it didn't look that great or anything. Like I just exactly. genuinely enjoyed it. It's this like childlike wonder that we need to try to incorporate in our adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. You think back to your childhood, you were like a Picasso. Everybody was. (laughs) Everyone was just constantly making stuff like dress up, fairy tales, playhouse. Your imagination was if you were an adult doing that, you would be like the most prolific person on earth. (laughs) And every child does that. So, you know, I don't know whether it's it's society or or your confidence or what have you. There's a whole bunch of reasons. But just remember, that was you. That's you. That was no one else. So you can do that. You can absolutely bring that back. And I think that just getting in touch with that like inner child in yourself, like that'll show in your work too. Like we're really yeah, not as different yeah. as we think from when we were younger. <laughs> we just hide I it. I don't know. Hell yes, exactly, exactly. We talked, you gave some really interesting examples about um, like perspective shifts and people like kind of thinking like at a more mature level. And I think it was, I want to say, Trump, I'm, I'm at, no, Dalton. It was about Trumbo. like, yes, That's yes. Don't worry about it. He, he's a forgotten character of history. Let's bring him back. Why did you incorporate that? Right. It's specifically right. in the book. It, it's about a, a screenwriter from the 50s named Dalton Trumbo. He was the highest paid screenwriter of the time. Very successful guy. And they also had politically what's called the Red Scare, which is when the country at large was very scared about communists. It's a very big event in history books. You can go Google it, the Red Scare. And a lot of people were fired in Hollywood because they were suspected to be communists putting communist ideas into movies. It sounds very strange, but like this was literal fears at the time. And so anyway, Dalton gets fired. He's suspected to be a communist. And the example I gave in the book was he was in the courtroom. Basically, they're trying to like, like shake him down for information. Like who else is a communist? Point out your friends. And now what did, what did he say? What, he said something really smart, like a one-liner I don't want to butcher. Something something smart. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. So, okay. So, in that position, a lot of people are getting brought up and shook down, and they're all pleading the Fifth Amendment. I will not uh, criminalize myself. I'm just going to be quiet, the Fifth. 
Dalton because he's a crazy, insane, loudmouth character who you should absolutely look up. Brian Cranston played him in the movie Trumbo. He pleads the first and he, he just talks and goes at the court and he pleads the First Amendment saying, I don't care whether I am communist or not. My movies are covered by the First Amendment. I'm allowed to do whatever I want in my expression. And he went to jail for that. His defense was not good enough. He should have pled the fifth, but he's a sicko who pled the first. And and when asked about why he did that, he said, well, or how he had the presence of mind to do that. He just said, I just saw the courtroom like I wasn't there. Like I was floating above it, looking down and imagining it was other people. And that gave me the calm and the the integrity I needed to do what I wanted. It didn't work out legally, but it's what I wanted to do. I was super inspired by that. Because like we go through such epic, like heavy epic. points in life and you're like, how else do you handle it? Like pretend it's not you. <laughs> like yeah. we could just gotta yeah, act a little up. bit. <laughs> just jump out of the room. I th- and that makes it easier to deal with stuff because we we give we put so much weight on the stuff happening to us and we're like, oh my God, like people are thinking this, I'm looking like this. We're like, then just pretend it's not you. Take yourself out oh, of the man. situation. People think that's crazy, but like just try it. If it's gonna work, then you might as well, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's funny, like I have anxiety and I only got anxiety say in the last four years. I never had it when I was younger. And when you have anxiety, you think a lot more pressure is on you than is. You think things around you are, are more critical of you than they are. And it's hard to just jump out of yourself because the whole like nature of it makes you feel just everything around you is heavier. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say like an egocentric, but you low key act egocentrically sometimes when you have anxiety because you really perceive a world around you much more pressurized than it is. So anyway, yes, if you can, I know it's like takes a whole lot of managing and uh, talking about things, but at the end of the day, you should eventually want to feel as free enough to relax jump out of the situation if need be and be able to see it more clearly than if you thought you're the center of it and and there's no way out of it. Bro, I wish there were 50 writers doing what I do. And I wish they, I wish they were all better than me and selling millions of books and helping spread some of these ideas because like you just said, it's so important. There's such a disproportion between how much people feel out of sorts about their creativity and yet how beautiful and epic it is And I go, there needs to be just more literature, more communities that can link it because it it doesn't, now that I've written the book, it doesn't sit well in my heart to know that it's happening. I go, no, no, no. I I wish I had money to send it for free. If I could send my book free to every follower, like, yo, and then go find someone else like me. You know, I don't, I just want them to be more writers. That is so genuine. That truly comes from a place of passion. Like that's why it's, I'm so, I'm so inspired by you and I really admire just just the way that you go about like how you want your work to reach people and what you put in, like, it's incredible. Um, and in the book, you also talked about like these conversations, like me interviewing you, like that's how we need to hear like the backstory. Cause we're saying, I think you said like, you know, there's no interviews with Shakespeare. Shakespeare isn't on the pod, but like, <laughs> I'd love to see how he thinks. Exactly. So like, it's, it's amazing. And that's how it starts by spreading those ideas is like, through talking with artists. So like, it's such a great, like it's, thank you so much. Like I I'll tell you a million times and I'll tell you now, like th- we're starting. And it's funny because when thank I read you. that passage, I was like having him on the show, like that's what we're doing. Yes, yes, yes. And that, that was written out of my own frustration. 
I'm trying to write a book about great artists and how they did their work. And no one thought to interview stupid Michelangelo. Like I can't, he, he did all this work and it's essentially just a secret to us now. Yeah. It's essentially just, you can admire it. That's great for a museum goer. What about for young sculptor, Johnny down the street? He, he, he'll never, he'll never, he'll, all that was lost now. Okay. Michelangelo finds like a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. go, I, I look up artists from the nineties and the eighties, not well documented. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a big pet peeve of mine. And so, yeah, I appreciate this. This is just, this is brilliant. I guess now is when the documenting starts, like with YouTube yeah. and everything, the vlogging, right. like right. it's crazy. Like we're living in the time where maybe now art, like it is the Renaissance because art will not go underappreciated. I hope I, yes. and I truly believe now people are just they're documenting the journeys. And even if it starts from like a TikTok, yes. and they'll spread art and creativity. Straight up, straight up. Yeah. Yo, artists not being interviewed or feeling like they have to be private and to themselves is what creates some of the self-doubt, the historical self-doubt that we're talking about. If if you if going on podcasts was more regular, you would feel so much more relaxed about your art, able to talk about it. Oh, the art speaks for itself. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Stop. That's old fashioned. I understand it. It's conservative. It's like be polite and appropriate. But like you're saying, it's 2021. We are all out here doing whatever we want. Come through. Come, come through. <laughs> Get on the pod. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We got we got a great host. Okay. This is a thing. <laughs> you can greater guest, man. That's so that's so true. It's just it's talking about the process because we're gonna think like you can show up and the book can it can speak for itself, but we do want to know more. We're like, we're just nosy people. We just like, but it's part of the human experience, experiencing life through others and the empathy. And then when they see like what you go through, when you deal with something, then, then they can create. And it's that, it's that pattern that'll just keep happening. But that's how great art comes about. Stop, man. It's beautiful. It's too beautiful. Straight up and down. Like give us a good 50 years of this. Give us a good generation or so of us, of us trying to do this at our at our best. She like. Yeah. It's just, it'd be beautiful. There really can be a lot of beauty in the world. It's happening. It is happening. And it's especially happening. You got to tell us about Art Fest and all the okay. things that you're working on right now. Please tell Thank us. You. And I love what you're doing. And even in the book, how you incorporated some artists, like people who sent in their work to yeah. Oh, in the yeah, book. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is so inclusive. It is so, like, you're not like a, the art speaks for itself. I'll keep to myself kind of art is like, this is the modern day new art. Yes. And I love it. Yes. Yes. That's so yeah, that was art fest. That's art fest. Number one, the official unofficial first issue was in putting wings. So to tell the story of it, I'm starting a digital magazine called art fest and it has submissions from all the people who follow me on Instagram, writers, illustrators, painters, musicians, 150 total are in ArtFest issue one, which comes out March 15th. If you guys want to get it, go to Advice for Artists on Instagram. And yeah, it's a collection of tons of different art curated and ordered, and it has music. So what was really mind-blowing about this, now it came about because I just wanted us to have a publication. I wanted us to have a community where you felt like it was a whiteboard, you could get posted and... And then on top of that, I wanted people to have a place where they could go to appreciate paintings and illustration because I see so much great work on Instagram, but I myself don't go out of my way to appreciate it that often. Paintings like, you know, throwback, maybe like 400 years ago, it was really hot. But then since then, painting's been like on the down as far as pop culture goes. So anyway, yes, Art Fest, 
is a digital magazine. And the beautiful thing is with painting and with music playing behind it, you put your painting on full screen. And for the first time, at least for me, you start to appreciate brushstrokes. Yeah. You start to appreciate detail and things. Otherwise, oh, it's beautiful. Cool. Keep walking. Well, no, let's let's slow down. Let's scroll slowly. No ads, no, no algorithm and enjoy things on full screen. So I love that. Yeah, you have to. And I love like the slow scroll. Like you you're like, look, you pay attention to it. Get into it because that's the thing where and in the book, you even reference that like yeah. we're not fixated enough on like one thing. Like there's so much happening. Like the only way to truly right. appreciate and, and understand, like you got to just give it the time that it needs. Slow down. Slow down, man. Slow down. Slow it down. We speed it up because we're in the roaring 20s. The new roaring 20s. I know. I know. You got to be adaptable. You got to be flexible. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, Austin, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. It has truly been an honor. Like, I, yes, of course. I'm looking forward. Thank you so much for, for reading my work, first off. You know, I, I'm so happy everything seemed to have landed because that book developed on its own as I did my research. I said, oh, there's some economics. Oh, there's a whole lot of self-discovery. And the fact that someone like you who cares about this stuff, that it resonates with you, that's the, that's the most I ever could ask for. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah.